recorded oh. live. There we okay. are. I would like to say this before I get started. Mark Cuban just came on the TV and said he was contemplating running for president of the Republican Party. Okay? Next time around. He was confronted with facts of uh, babies born without parents. Man and a woman. Just born of a woman. And the the fact was hundreds of thousands. And the question to Mark Cuban was, does that concern you? And what do you suppose Mark Cuban said? <laughs> I, I I don't really know who Mark Cuban is offhand. I know I've heard the name and so forth, but um, let me guess, he's, he's a politician, so his answer would be um, vague or um, uh, non-committal. His answer was Tucker. Uh, what's the guy's name? Carlson. Okay, Tucker Carlson on Fox. Yeah. Yes. His answer was Tucker. You can't legislate morality. I don't want to be the moral warrior. I think we get information to the mosque, to the churches, to the what is the Sabbath hall. The temple. That's where you make a difference. So to which Russell, sitting here watching, asks, "You can't legislate morality, but it's a crime to murder. It's a crime to steal. It is a crime to rape." Are those not moral issues? Isn't every law made to legislate morality? What is morality, Doug? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Now I'd like to move on because I think I have something profound. But I won't know till I run it before the Board of Profundant. <laughs> uh, you're in that too, Jeremiah. All right. Okay. God's people continually did one thing wrong in the Old Testament. Okay? Can we all agree on that? And if we think real hard... We go to this word, B-A-A-L. Okay? Yep. So I'm going to Webster's Ancient Dictionary. Because I want to know what Webster says about the word. That's all. There's no secret in this dictionary. Here's a guy, Noel Webster, 1828, made a dictionary. I want to see what he thinks about what a bell is. A lord. Okay. An idol among ancient Chaldeans and Syrians representing the sun. The word signifies also lord or commander. 
and character of the idol was varied by different nations at different times. Thus, Baal, Bereth, is supposed to signify the Lord of the Covenant. Baal Peor, or Baal Phagor, the Lord of the Dead. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Baal Zebu, the God of the Flies. Okay, so this got me to thinking. Hmm. What is an idol? What is idolatry? You know, what what was this thing God said you hoard after other gods? So we go run and we look that up. It's And primarily it's an image. Okay. A former representation usually of a man or other animal consecrated as an object of worship. A pagan deity. Idols are usually statues or images carved out of wood or stone or formed in, of metals, particularly silver or gold. A person loved and honored to ad, adoration. The prince was the idol of the people. Anything, here we go, listen up, anything on which we set our affections, that to which we indulge an excessive and simple attachment. Now, I asked both of my board of reasoners listening tonight, how does that not describe this booger bear named Satan? Well, um, it is. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just you telling me that, I reached into my file here and I've got part 10 of What's Wrong with America in my one of my series. And I'm reading from Zondervan Pictorial Dictionary, page 87, quote, The word Baal appears in the Old Testament with a variety of meanings. Originally, it was not a proper noun, but later became used so. Sometimes it is used in its preliminary sense as a master or owner. Since the Hebrew husband was regarded as the literal owner of his wife, Baal was the common term for husband. Most often, however, the word refers to the Semitic deity or deities called Baal, Baal is not the name of one god, but the presiding deities of a given locality. Because the worship of Baal was much the same everywhere in Canaan, in time, Baal came to represent the idea of one god. The Baalim were the gods of the land, owning and controlling it. And the increase of crop, fruit, and cattle were under their control, end quote. Well, uh, I submit to you that from my observations in America, October the 23rd, is that what today is? 24th. 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 That I believe more people are afraid of this devil in 
entity than they are of the God, the creator of the universe. Amen. And probably respect him more. Well, they do by default, and that's kind of the thing that I was referring to last week when I, or maybe it was the week before already, I've lost track of some time here, but we become closet seed liners, if you will, in a sense, because um, we are professing a doctrine and a theology that has no foundation really in the totality of the biblical historical record. And that's a hard thing for, I guess, our people to grasp a hold of because they want so badly to have somebody else be responsible for their station in life. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just not possible. The biblical record conveys that the only reason, in fact, if you want to go further on it, you could safely say that the only reason Satan exists at all is by the will of God. And that's well, biblical. That yes. is biblical because in two senses, if we go into the the book of Job, there was nothing that this Satan, this adversary, Satan, as the word is used, adversary, there was nothing that this adversary was allowed to do to Job that God did not permit. So uh-huh. if, if God is willing to present an adversary to one or more of his people that he believes uh, uh, are solidly in his, in his court, it's his prerogative, as he says, does the clay say to the potter, who fashioned me, or, you know, fashioned me not this way? Um, he is the creator. I, I, you know, there's so many things that you could wrap into that statement of yours, Russell. Our people don't even believe in God. Our people don't even believe there is a creator. Our people don't believe that the creator has the power and the ability to decide what he wills with that mold of clay. Can you imagine how infuriating that would be to God Almighty to see people fearing this entity instead of fearing what his will? Yes. And perfect love casts out fear. So if you love God with a perfect love, you will cast out all fear of what, quote, a Satan adversary or otherwise can do to you because God has promised the faithful and the righteous abiding in his will abundant blessings. So we have nothing whatsoever to fear. We have nothing whatsoever to be concerned with, to fret about, or anything else, as long as we abide in the Father and his will. That is the power of positive thinking, isn't it? That that truly is is the power of positive thinking. And it's not just the power of positive thinking. It is the power of the positive spiritual influence of God within you. Well, praise God, Doug. Uh, so, so by fearing this entity, aren't you practicing adultery? 
yes, you are idolatry, yes, because you have you have willingly subjugated the idol in rank and position and uh-huh. even in a in a sense um not just power and position but also in capability now uh, now now let's think of this god tells uh oh uh, i can't remember his name we'll just call him ambitious lord server to go take the land. He took the spies. They went over. They came back and gave the report. And some of the people, many of the people, majority of the people, real real important to note the majority of the people were afraid. Our God's not big enough to handle this this issue. He just parted the Red Sea, but this is different. These are big, scary-looking dudes. Yes. With swords and stuff. So I can just see God saying, you have got to be kidding me. And I can see him saying, I am so sick of you people. You're not going in there. And then I can hear the people saying, so you brought us all the way over here so we could get our kids killed. And I could see him going, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take your kids and let them have it. Because you are so bullheaded and stiff-necked. Can't you just see this? Like if you're sitting out in the crowd on the stage of it playing out? I I can. I I hear everything you're saying. And uh, flip to Joshua 24 quickly. Joshua 24, um, we could start at 1, but we'll just, for sake of time, go ahead and skip two or three verses there. But Joshua is going to say unto the people that are gathered in Shechem uh, a few words. And and I'm going to kill basically two doctrinal things with one stone right here. One of them is the one you're talking about, and the other one has to do with something we're going to read in this uh, verse here. He says in verse 3, Joshua chapter 4, 24, verse 3, And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood. Did you hear that? I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan. Is that what you just said? Yeah, well, my, my King James says, And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood. Okay. And led him through all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. Boy, that's gave... a big difference, isn't it? Well, it's a significant difference for sure, isn't it? Yeah. Because what he's what he's conveying, what Joshua is conveying there is is, as I say, another one of these doctrinal beliefs, which is the worldwide flood. And this clearly conveys that it's a taking of Abraham back, you know, back to a day and time from the other side of the flood. Uh-huh. And and I, I so then he goes on, he says, I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. And I gave unto Esau, Mount Seir, 
to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down unto Egypt. I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them, and afterward I brought you out. Okay, now who plagued Egypt? God plagued Egypt. And I brought Egypt. What? It's clear there. God says, I plagued Egypt. Yeah. Okay. Well, most people most people will say, well, well, of course he did. After he let his people out, he brought those plagues upon him. And yeah, okay. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came under the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots. By the way, that sea there is the Sea of Reeds, is what it was called, not the Red Sea. It was the Sea of Reeds, and the Egyptians. <laughs> pursued after your fathers with chariots, horsemen, under the Red Sea, the Sea of Reeds. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and you dwelt in the wilderness a long season. I besought you, I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dealt on the other side of Jordan, and they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. The Amorites were asked to let them pass, and so then God said, since they said, no, you're not going to pass, we're not going to give you passage, God said, destroy it. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, rose, arose and warred against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed you still, so I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over Jordan and came under Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites, the Perizzites, Canaanites, the Hittites, Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow, Bo, I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwell in them, of the vineyards and the olive yards which you planted not, do you eat. Fear here. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. So, that's exactly what you're saying, Russell, is where is the fear placed? And it might be that God's people in America are tired of fearing the Baal God deities, just as Zondervan said, these were the um, Baal were the gods of the land. If you fear something, I don't know if to say it's your God, but what you fear is your God. I mean, I mean, that I didn't say that correctly, but help me out here, oh. Doug. Well, I I know what you're saying. What you're saying is what your fear is. Therefore, you is you respect. What your fear is, you obviously have respect for the the thing. Yeah, you the, don't want to make it mad, do you? You don't want to make it worse. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember a story I heard once. It might have been Pastor Emery or somebody else said that 
that, you know, some guy when he died was just a real, you know, real son of the devil. And, uh-huh. uh, and he said, you know, well, uh, I guess a priest was there or something and said, you should do this or that. And he says, do you think I should risk, uh, angering the devil right now? I'm kind of in a spot <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's exactly it because so many people are, are, I think afraid that, uh, you know, even, you know, rebuking. Uh, an adversary rebuking one who acts contrary to the will of God, and and of course, if you can pin it on that, it's no longer the man. One of the things I was just thinking about today was how all of these prophets. Most people, when they think about the prophets, they're thinking about what the prophets were and their importance and their you know their their magnanimity in their in their um in their uh right. prophetical prophetical realm or whatever. But the truth uh, of the matter the truth of the matter is it was not the man. It has always been the message. Uh-huh. Whether it was Moses delivering the message or Joshua delivering the message or Jeremiah or Isaiah or Ezekiel, it was the message. And the message is what you just said, Russell, and what Joshua just said. Fear God and him alone. Now, if you, are fearing something, if you are fearing something else, you are more contemplating on that day in and day out than you are In other words, you would lose your life for the love of God. But if you are fearing something else, you're in constant fear and you don't ever really step out of your fear zone because you're concentrating on that fear, not the the blessing and the glory that you receive in the future for having stood firm for the will of the Father. Mm. Okay. Now, I've got this other thought I want to throw out there in Radio Land, whomever may be hearing. If a sniper shoots an important politician, let's say a leader, the leader dies and can become a mortar, a martyr, I'm sorry. Or or several things can happen, right? Now, or somebody can whisper or perhaps print in a newspaper the leader, I saw the leader doing thus and so. And not have to give his name, just take these words and fire them across the United States that that this leader has done this or thus and so, not have one inkling of truth to it. And not only do you damage the leader, you damage the leader's family, you damage all the supporters of the leader, you actually do more harm than snobbing him, don't you? So yeah. 
can you can you think of a more evil form of warfare than to slander? Yeah. And so the slander would hold a prominent position of evil, wouldn't he? Yeah. But he's still just a slanderer. And I mean, and the and and what happens, like you were talking about the fear, what we see happening is you fear the slanderer, don't you? Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. and I just I just just heard that this uh, Trump's campaign manager was actually doing the work of Hillary Clinton and the Russians was. So, I mean, all this time, the slander was against Donald, but the actual guilty party was the people doing the slandering. Did you hear that they they found out that the person, the, the organization that paid for the slanderous uh, report out of England about Trump's nasty behavior, they found out that it just like 10 minutes ago that the report was bought and paid for by the DNC. Yeah, yeah, I, I heard at about 1 o'clock this afternoon that uh, the next shoe that was going to drop was that uh, the report was that the campaign uh, attorney for Clinton was the one who uh, elicited the... Uh, Modesto. The, the uh, dossier, the false dossier, and, you know, but this is what we've learned in Scripture, that what Christ told us, our God in the flesh told us, he says, they accuse you of what they are. They accuse you of what they intend to do. They intended to slander Christ, and they were, or excuse me, they were slandering Christ, and they intended for that slander to to result in his death. They accused him of blasphemy, which required a death penalty. And uh, so they always accuse you of what they're what they're doing. And so what do we see? They accused Trump of bad behavior. And what were they doing? Bad behavior. They accused mm-hmm. Trump of colluding. What were they doing? already colluding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it just goes on and on and on and on. There's there's nothing new under the sun. And you know, our God is a just God and he hears our cries as long as we will cry out. So this Joshua chapter four twenty four here I think is, you know, again one more example. Let me continue with verse fifteen quickly and then uh uh, guest four and White Rider, I do see you uh, here, and uh, we'll. Uh, uh, it doesn't look like uh, White Rider. It looks like you might be uh, on a computer. And guest four, if you can use the text, the uh, text or chat window, uh, you can uh, send us a text. But we're in Joshua chapter 24 here. I'm, uh, we've read from three through uh, 15 talking about fearing the Lord as opposed to this fear that we have that seems to permeate the land uh, on everything else but what it should be properly placed on. So continuing at 15, if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, 
whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he is that, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our side, and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we passed. The Lord drave out before us all those people, the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore we will serve also the Lord God, for he is our God. Well, there it is. And, you know, he says that he's a jealous God. In that next verse, if you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, verse 20, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he has done you good. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to see how the word continues to be proven correct. Every time you consult it, and would to God that their people would understand that their fear needs to be properly placed on God to abide in his kingdom plan and his kingdom will. And uh, we would we'd have no problem with seeing things turn around. Did you know, Doug, I kind of on this? a side note here. I told my kids Sunday morning at breakfast that you all you all can question your father. You you have the privilege to question your father. This is biblical. Yes. And of course they all said, Well what do you mean? And I said, Well I said I was just thinking about Jesus talking to God on the cross, and he said, he asked him a question. He said, why, or have you forgotten me? And um, he was talking to his father, to which Texas said, well, (laughs) does that mean we have to die if we ask you a question? I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I said you just I'm just telling you you get one question and that's enough <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and, make it a good one huh yeah make yeah. it a good one well, <laughs> and, and the other thing is uh, um, you know uh, along with that uh, question is uh, you don't know in that instance what the answer is until your ascension. <laughs> and, and and then then it was pretty clear that the question was really kind of perhaps unnecessary or even ridiculous. But the the other example I gave was and I know that Rich and Doug had children, correct? Yes. No, and, I never had children with Doug. No, <laughs> well, no, we. That's right. We didn't. We did not have children, Russell. We we, we don't had, do that type of stuff. You had families with children, and there were many times when the children may have thought that you forgot them. 
yeah. there were many times when there were times when you you had this attitude. I don't want to be questioned. Just do what I tell you to do, because you don't know where I'm coming from, child. You're. You you can't understand why I'm telling you to do what I want you to do right now. But at the end of the day, you'll figure it out. And most of us, when we hit our 20s, we start uh, seeing the light, at least little bits and pieces. And so I'm close to 60, and the more I realize, the more I, the more I learn and realize, the more I learn and realize I don't really know or realize much. Because you you think you know all these things, and uh, it 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 gets right back to Ecclesiastes. It's the last verse, the sum total of the matter, and I think y'all know what that is. Your God. Mm-hmm. And uh, do his follow his ways. The consistency of the biblical record on this is clear, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, I tried to uh, get you on the internet, but I couldn't talk for some reason. Well, what do you have for a microphone? Uh, one of those earbud things with the mic in them. Let's see. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know if that'll work um, because technically that's a phone type device. We just had two guests on, guest four and White Rider, and as soon as I spoke to both of them, they both failed. So um, <laughs> I might have been guest four. I'm you might have been. Yeah, you could have been rich because you were on there for a while and then White Rider uh, came on. And uh, uh, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, that you were probably guessed for. Um, the only thing I know about this thing uh, talks to you, if you're going to be over the Internet, is you definitely do have to have um, a couple of additional steps it gives you an option when you make your uh, when you set up your user and so forth. It gives you some options if you're going to come in over the internet to set a microphone and stuff up. And um, so it probably was not recognizing that type of a thing because it it uh, um, I don't know, that microphone is kind of built into the headphone thing, and it's not a separate standalone microphone. Do you, um, do you have a laptop or something that has a microphone? or? Yeah, they, they uh, didn't seem to be picking up off the laptop either because I tried that before, uh, before I plugged in the, the headset. Yeah. Um, uh, I'd have to maybe look back through some fact things and see what the issue is on on that for sure. But um, uh, Jeremiah, you might remember something on that. I don't know offhand, uh, 
but I, I do think that you are asked to set a microphone and it gives you the options for for that. So then you'd have to look at your microphone options on your laptop and and get that uh, microphone recognized by the TalkShoe uh, microphone setup thing. And oh, well. you know, one of the things that is a little bit of a problem for that, and I haven't, uh, is that I've noticed that, you know, as long as there's not a call going on and stuff, you really don't have ways in which to test that. I seem to recall when I set things up, I had to actually create a call so that I could test, you know, that I was on and everything in order to know that everything was working. So um, so I can do a setup with you one day and just open up a call session and and see that your settings are all hooked up and working one day if you want to do that sometime. Why? We can do that. But um, uh, at any rate, we're all here, and Russell opened the door up with this uh, this latest in the news. And, uh, you know, one thing about all this stuff that's coming out in, in this news thing, again, like we already talked about, is accusing they always accuse of what it is that they do. They accuse Rush, uh, or excuse me, accused Trump of bad behavior through the through the dossier, and they are the ones that are constantly in bad behavior. Um, they Did Hillary accuse, accuse Trump of being ugly. What? Oh yeah, they talk. They constantly ridicule his haircut. Yeah. yeah, did she she accused him of being ugly? Oh, did she? That's what she, that's what she does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but the whole thing, the dossier, and then accusing him of collusion, and, and, of course, it all comes around. You know, and the other thing that isn't really being said by anything that I've heard, I probably haven't listened to very much talk radio or anything, a couple of hours over the last four or five days, I suppose. Um, but the the one thing, it just jumps out at you to me when, when you find this uranium deal and everything else. It's like, well, wait a minute. You go back to the time when Obama says uh, to the Russian, uh, you know, whoever he was, he says, uh, just hold on a little while, tell them to hold on a little while till after the election, I've got a little more flexibility, that pops into your head. And then secondly is the Iran deal. Well, if 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 uh, Putin wants to, to sell um, uh, uranium to the Iranians um, and get it from the United States because there's a bunch of prostitutes uh, in in the United States that'll do anything for money uh, to hold the, uh, you know, uh, executive and congressional power, then, you know, they'll just, they'll just go ahead and work with whoever because, it, and, yeah, and the, there's got to be a reckoning. I mean, there's just too much stuff going down. Yeah. Well, but again, but again, the day of the Lord. You know, Russell started this thing off with this thing about this. Uh, this who's running for president? Uh, Russell. Uh, 
this uh, Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban. Okay, and, he, and he's asked a question, and his response is, well, you know, you can't legislate morality. And Russell cites all the laws that we have that are, are morality-driven uh, laws, and you, you got an idiot like this who wants to be the next chief executive of a, of a country, and mm-hmm. he doesn't think you can legislate morality. And so, what kind of a you know what kind of a chief executive would this guy be? But well, he, he's a he's a Jew, so I mean. Well, I didn't know that, but he certainly has a Jewish way of thinking, for sure. Uh, yeah, he's Jew. Yeah. So, I mean, they have no morality. Well, their, the morality, the, the their, their, their morality, and I was thinking about this this past week since these stories started to break, thinking about this. They are so much about the ends justify the means, and the Jews are that way, too, because... Uh, the whole Hollywood thing and everything else, the end justifies the means. We don't care how we whore ourselves as the Jews, if you will, with, you know, uh, Weinstein and everybody else. Um, We're just doing what we need to do to get these uh, Caucasian women to, to get into these positions that they are beholden to us and we'll do everything that we tell them to do including, you know, diaries of a vampire, this, that, or whatever else that they want to do to occupy the people's times and, uh-huh. uh, you know, to to cause sin and wickedness to be pervasive in the land. So the end justifies the means. That's the whole, their whole methodology. Christ never once, uh, God in his whole biblical record never told us anything such as the end justifies the means, just that we're supposed to obey the plan and uh, obey the the kingdom mission. And in that obedience, uh, he'll protect us and he'll uh, give us the the tools and so forth. But if we're going to step out, he's going to slap us down. If we're going to say to the potter, you know, what are you doing? Um, He's going to say, none of your business. You just do as I as I have molded you to do. Just you know, back in that kiln and shut up. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting how these, uh, let's just say enemies of God, proclaim these truths, uh, such as the, the truth, I shouldn't say truth, but... Uh, these axioms of theirs it's it's right out there for everybody to see uh such such as uh religion is an opiate for the people uh the end justifies the means uh you know just go down the list of the marxist tenets he's stating more or less a uh, our items of warfare, how we're going to conquer you. If you can turn the churches into an opiate, which is exactly what they are, feel good, big screen, music, entertainment, that's all about feeling good, isn't it, Doug? Yeah.
Well, it was what interesting. On another note, I went to a school committee meeting tonight. Because the local school committee was going to uh, change Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day in all the schools. Yeah. And um, so I was actually on, I found out about it last week, and I was on a radio talk show, a local one, on Saturday to alert the people and see if I could get some people riled up, show up at the meeting. Ended up there was like six of us, because I called the local Knights of Columbus guys, told them about it, so we had about four of them, me and another guy in there, you know, coming against them for uh, Columbus. And uh, I started reading up on Columbus. Very interesting guy. His voyage was 3,000 miles, and and his crew was going to mutiny on him, and he didn't... uh, he was down to the last day. If he didn't make it this last day, he was going to turn the boat around, and they they saw land that day. Very interesting. And then, uh, and, and indigenous, indigenous. This is what they want to change it to: native, native produced naturally in a country or climate, not exotic. Applied generally to vegetables. Well, I said I I told them. Let me tell you a little bit about the indigenous people he ran up against. And I said, make no mistake about it first. Columbus was not a Civil War general fighting for the South. So you don't have to rip down his monuments. Uh-huh. And, I, and then I said to him, I said, uh, I said, he, uh, one of his, he wanted the Santa Maria, one of his boats got wrecked. And there were 40 guys on the boat that he left on an island, and they had to sail off and pick, come back with more boats to pick him up. And um, and all 40 of his guys had been slaughtered by the indigenous people, and they were cannibals. They ate them. And so one of, one of uh, Columbus's things down there was he was trying to save the island populations because these um, cannibals, they were called Caribs, and that's where you get the uh, Caribbean from. And it also meant piranhas. So they'd go to an island, and they'd take the, all the little children, and they would castrate the boys. And they would, um, when they get to be 14 or 15, it was really a, a big deal for them because they said the boys were tastier than the girls. Uh. And they'd eat these uh, these children. and um, and they were decimating the island populations because they'd go from island to island eating all the people. And I said, and he fought against that. And I said, so he was more of a friend of the indigenous people down there than anyone you could imagine. So I'm trying to, uh, so I gave him a little bit of an education about mm-hmm. Christopher Columbus. And so they're going to, they were going to, uh, put it under discussion whether or not they were going to do it or not, but but they got enough, a little bit of pushback anyway on us. Yeah, well, and and that, of course, is the case is there's usually, there's usually nobody um, there to object to anything that, that these, that these do, 
Um, the I think one of the strongest uh, things that we can do about that indigenous peoples thing is, you know, just start giving them the facts on on the archaeological findings in America. I mean, Kennewick Man. I, I mean, the various things of of these in, these early inhabitants that you know range from somewhere between seven and twelve thousand years uh, earlier than any of these supposed um, you know uh, uh, Indians. The American Indians as we know them today they basically only trace their roots on this continent about 2,000 years. So um, they, they don't even have any kind of a significant... Um, uh, and I think that that claim for 2,000 years is, is only about 600 years that they can actually claim of that 2,000. I'd have to go back in and look at some of... Uh, the data on that because it's been a long time since I had. But in other words, they they came across <clears throat> from Asiatic areas. That's where these Eskimos people the northern parts, and then um, there was some migration of those peoples from the northern parts. But our people were in this continent of the North American continent. You know, going back to. Uh, certainly pre-Columbus days. And so my point in all that is... Well, they, we, we got a place up here in Salem, New Hampshire called America's Stonehenge, and they claim right. that to be 2,000 2, years old to 2,500 years old. Exactly. And so all of these archaeological findings in America, that really is the argument because the question becomes then is, well, who is the indigenous people? Because... Uh -huh can't claim that it's, quote, the Native Americans are the indigenous people because their claim can only go a certain number of years. Their, their historical record and claim, as I said, I don't believe it's any longer than a couple of thousand years. And our claim, as far as our ancestors, the, the, you know, the Caucasians, um, clearly were on this continent you know, seven to 12,000 years ago based on the historical data of what has been archaeologically found. So it's, it's idiotic for anybody to claim it Indigenous Peoples Day because who's an Indigenous person? And how have the Indigenous people added to the culture of the world? Yeah, what's, what really does that have to, to do with Columbus Day? We decided to have a day called Columbus Day. Well, big deal. So what? Um, you know, if you want to have an Indigenous Peoples Day, then petition the federal government for an Indigenous Peoples Day. I mean, we can have all sorts of days. We can fill the calendar with a day for everything we want to fill it with, you know. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you need to replace one person's day with another person's day or an indigenous people's day. Yeah, I just, you, could, you could even have an equal rights amendment to the Constitution if you could get enough voters, which has never happened. Right. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's another example of, uh, of, of garbage 
And as I say, you know, you get an opportunity to go on that again. I think the 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 way to go is armed with the archaeological records, so that they're pretty much put at a standstill in terms of of uh, you know what it is. Well, that's if you're dealing with rational people that can understand things. These guys are communists. Uh, you know, the no, whole thing is just communists. And, and what do they care if uh, if these these people raped and pillaged and everything else? They'll come back with some story of some some Caucasian person that that you know raped an Indian squaw or you know killed a, a group of Indians and took their scalps or. You know, we can always do tit for tat, and that's what they always, you know. So yeah, it, it doesn't doesn't, did you, doesn't make it did you, any better. Did you hear that one of these black Congress ladies said that the uh, the adulterous Jew uh, Harvey is it uh, Weinstein? Yeah, he didn't he didn't molest any black actresses, so it's obvious he was a racist. You well, didn't like dark meat, huh? Well, when they when they start eating their own, that's always a good thing, you know. Um, so I say, let them eat them. <laughs> yeah. hey, he was a big Democratic donor too, you know. Yeah, I know. He spread a lot of money around to the b- bad causes. See, God doesn't yeah. sleep. He says, "Okay, Harvey, now it's your turn." I, I know, but what I'm saying is. The Democratic Party is a bunch of nuts, kooks, and flakes. So when you stir all that up, there's no telling what you're going to get. I mean, the stuff they drag out of their rear end is unbelievable. Uh, one of the one of the congressmen said that one of the islands down there, you got to be careful. I guess this was one of our bases. You got to be careful where you put the troops and stuff because it might tilt the island. Yeah, that was over in, uh, over in Hawaii. Yeah, and he was. It was in Guam, talking about Guam, and he was. Yeah, it was, dead a, it was a black serious. guy. He was a brilliant yeah. thing, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, he was dead serious. Well, and which one? Which Where that. is that located? In which one of the fifty-seven states? Well, yeah. I'm just telling you, in this man's mind, that island is floating around out there like a uh, one of those blow-up air mattresses. This is his <laughs> idea of an island. <coughs> He's never been outside of the Bronx. That's what you get when they put the African indigenous people in charge of something. They can rewrite science. Well, I particularly like the Negroid woman who was with the cowboy hats. She's a brilliant thing. Well, you know, and this is one of the things that, that you know, uh, when you look at the corruption that you're seeing in this in this latest corruption thing that's coming down the pike, this is how you get millions and millions of dollars to put your candidate in the position. Yeah. And this is why there should be no pay for these people because the minute you pay them, it becomes something that has value. And 
if you can take that value out of the equation and they serve only at at the pleasure of the people and certainly in times of good behavior only, um, I dare you say know. we would have had so many different congressmen and senators over the past uh, 230 years that it would be remarkable. Well, also, notice all the little mice that are coming out of their holes and condemning Mr. Weinstein now. Yeah. And and the thought occurred to me is, uh, look what these people, look what compromises they make to become worshipped by the masses. And And you know that Harvey's in there with his new movie script, looks at this little ambitious girl from Kansas and says, you want the part, don't you? And she says to herself, well, <laughs> this is just part of it, man. It's wrong as can be, but I am an I am woman. Hear me roar in numbers too big to ignore. Bring it on, Harvey. And Jane Fonda, what a puke bag. Now she's coming out, so, and she's done this lots of times. What's the big deal? How do you think she got to be Jane Fonda? And and they're all doing it now because it's safe. You you think Spielberg and Katzenberg and all these other birds didn't drag people like Linda Ronstadt in there and say, "Hum, if you know, you want a you want a record deal, do you?" Well, step right in here to my negotiating room. You know, "Hum, if you know, honey," and now she's a star. But wait a minute, now her voice is gone and she's nothing. You know, the star peaked out. Well, why why is anybody surprised at these vultures? They're all in corporate America. Well, ugly crew, that's for sure. I'd like to see them all broke. Well, this is what happens in a land that the the wicked rule. Um, yep. And it should be no surprise to us, and I know it's not, and as Rich said, uh, a day of reckoning. Um, but the people, um, you know, when we look back at the prophetical record, um, just as I was talking about a little bit earlier, you know, it was always, it should always be the message, not the man. So Uh it's not not the prophet Jeremiah or the prophet Ezekiel or John the Baptist, the prophet. I mean, Christ himself said that John the Baptist was greater than a prophet. What it is, is the message, you know. Yeah. Uh, And so the message that needs to go out is the same message that needs to go out and has needed to go out since this day in Joshua's time in Joshua 24. Um, we're, we need to know our identity, number one, you know, because that was one of the things that we're told in Isaiah chapter 51. We're told 
to look under the rock whence you are hewn, and to the hole of the pit where you're digged, look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. So that's the identity. And then after you understand the identity, then you proclaim the responsibility. And when they made a vow to God and said, all that you had spoken, we will do in Exodus 19. Um, It was also reiterated in Exodus 24. Um, this, This is the commission. It remains the commission. We are supposed to be the ones who go into all the world and proclaim that there is not but one God. He is the creator of the heaven and the earth. He is the one that does all and provides all. He is the one. Well, you know, Isaiah chapter 43, I was in that a little earlier just before we came on. Let me flip back there. Isaiah chapter 41. Uh, what what did you say while you're going there? What did you say about John the Baptist earlier? Well, Christ said to John that John the Baptist was greater than a prophet. Yeah, and he also said, I am not fit to remove Jesus' sandals. Yeah, I'm not fit. I I mean, he had it in perspective, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Well, and see, that's the thing is, you know, just as, see, the Jews came to Christ and said, hey, he's baptizing more than you. Uh-huh. You see, that's a carnal thing. You see, in Washington, that's what they do. I have more power than you. I am a I am a judicial leader on the Judiciary Committee. I have more power than you. I have more authority than you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in God's in God's ways, the servant serves. And he must decrease while another one increases. So when they came to to, to uh, uh, Christ and uh, John the Baptist and said, "Well, he he baptizes more than you," they're they're trying to you know conjure up the jealousy in John the Baptist. But John the Baptist recognized that, hey, you know, I must decrease. I'm 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 behind bars right now, but another one takes my place. That's the way. The system of God works. That's totally foreign to uh, to our our people's way of thinking, and certainly foreign to this this uh, Baal God government that we've got, in, you know, <laughs> ruling the land today. Uh, Isaiah forty three. It was instead of Isaiah forty one. says, uh, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me. There was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, in the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved, and I have showed where there was no strange God among you, Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. (laughs) 
Yea, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? I mean, that's the message from the prophet, man. Yeah. That that has nothing to do with the man Isaiah, but the message is powerful and strong and revealing and it's, it's, maybe maybe, maybe that's the problem I have with the Catholic Church. It seems to always be about the man with them. Yeah. Never about the message. Right. That's man's system. It's just like the people, the two, uh, the mother who came and asked, uh, you know, for one to sit on the right hand and one to sit on the left. It was like the apostles themselves jockeying for a position uh, with Christ in the kingdom. And uh, it has nothing to do with that. It, it has everything to do with the message and doing that will of the Father. And that, that's entirely different mind frame than this mind frame that, that the world has which is, you know, all about self and and so forth. Well, I want to read this scripture right here, and I'm maybe diverting or whatever, but listen up. Because you were talking about John. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. Now, you, you've got to be thinking to yourself, isn't this backwards? So John tried to prevent him, Jesus, saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Question mark. And Jesus answered him and said, At this time, allow it. For in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John allowed it, didn't he? Yes. He went through with it. And then there was something that happened in the heavens. So they were open and the Spirit of God descended. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Wouldn't that be cool if he could say that about others? Amen. Well, you know, in the messages that I did, in the messages that I did on baptism, I tried to point out some other things there about just the thing I was talking to you about, which is John decreased, you see, uh-huh. and Christ Christ increased. That from that moment right there, John was on the way down, mm-hmm. and the John the Baptist was on the way down, and Christ was on the way up, and there's our example. Also, in that scripture, there was a duty to be fulfilled there. And that duty to be fulfilled is, again, the master-servant relationship. It's that duty to fulfill it. Um, and when when you obey the duty to fulfill, what happens? Acceptance. Acceptance is there. 
Well, it certainly pleases the Lord. Yes, acceptance is 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 yours is is at your fingertips, and that takes us all the way back. Russell, going to do it again. Genesis chapter four. He says, he says, and Cain talked with Abel. Uh, uh, excuse me, let's go up a couple of verses. And Abel also brought of the first fleas of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you wroth? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, Sin lies at the door. So, well, you've, you've, last week we got an interesting question, and the question was this, and we've contemplated this many times: is why did God not kill David? Why did God not kill Cain? Because that's what it says to do in the Mosaic law. But wouldn't the key? Answer to that riddle be the Mosaic Law? No. And well, what I'm saying is, God Almighty is God Almighty. So, is He bound by Mosaic Law? Well, well, yes, yes, but again, see this, this again, we can't have our cake and eat it too. If we say God is full of love and full of grace, uh-huh. but then when he but then when he exercises grace in a manner that we don't find acceptable, then uh-huh. we want to say, "Well, I just don't understand why he would do that." It's just like this thing with Abel and my conversation that I had with Richard Parrish, you know, back at the time when I wrote one of the last articles for the ministry. You know, are you going to argue with that? That's exactly what I said to Jason. I said, are you going to argue with that scripture in, in, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6? You're going to argue with God and stand before him and say, hey, why did you do this? And see, the natural tendency is to say, well, is that Mosaic law? Well, wait a minute. All that we really need to understand about the Mosaic law is that would be the Mosaic ordinances of the law. You see, the ordinances were the things that were set up at Mount Sinai. The law was always in the law was always in existence. It's in existence we know because Cain says to God when you know, when he when he drives him out, he says, you know, wherever I go people will seek to kill me because that's an axi- a, a natural law which is life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, wounding for wounding. So the natural law that was already in place of God's law, God is the one who's the ultimate arbitrator. And, of course, they want to hold up the book of Jasher as being, you know, one of the books of the Bible when it's convenient for them. But then when it's not convenient, and it says in there that, that, you know, Cain repented, but as long as we're making Cain to be the seed of Satan, why it Uh doesn't... It doesn't fit the doctrine, does it? So we have to we have to make Cain out to be something that he's not, even though it's not doctrinally correct, whatever they're trying to do to make it doctrinally correct, 
and they can never answer the question, why did God not kill? Um, why Number one, why would God stand there and reason with Cain uh-huh. if, if he is what the seed liners profess? Uh, you know, there would be no reason for God to do this. Absolutely no reason to do that. Well, and David, David, those two guys did something that spared their life. Exactly. And what was that something? Well, according Uh, to Jasher, he repented, Cain did, uh and according... Uh The scripture, uh, David repented when Nathan uh, brought it to his attention in a parable. It was still costing three kids, though, didn't it? Yeah, and you don't ever hear about the price that they paid. Hey, nobody ever said that there wasn't a price to sin. Yeah. But if if God is, is graceful and wants to extend grace, it's his prerogative. So the church world uh-huh. wants to say God's full of grace. But yet, you know, we don't we don't seem to want to accept that God will you know provide grace where God will provide it, and that's been that's been from the very beginning of time. It, it works. Don't save anybody. It's in the will of the Father's prerogative as to who He's going to accept or not accept. Just in the parent-child relationship, you can have a child that. That disobeys and disobeys and disobeys and disobeys and disobeys and disobeys, and and in the very final hour comes to you and repents. And then you can have one who obeyed and obeyed and obeyed, 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 and in the final hour he says, Screw you, Daddy. I don't care about this birthright. Matter of fact, I think it would just be a burden on me. Well, how about this? I've been doing everything right up to now. Look what that's got me. Yeah. The prodigal son's brother. Right. So the biblical well, record is it doesn't fail if we stay with the biblical record, whether it's a doctrine, a parable, allegory, vision, prophecy, or metaphor. We cannot be misled to interpret them contrary to the laws of God or contrary to the biblical historical record. I'm standing by that. I believe that is a 100% factual statement. And so that's a rock. That is a rock. And their rock is not our rock. Their rock is not our rock. So, well, what we've got to conclude that their rock is who? It's it's rebellion. I mean, their their rock is a deception. It's it's their the, rock, I know. their rock is adversarial. Even though they can claim to be of their father Abraham, they do not do the works of their father Abraham. That's straight from the Word of Christ. Yeah, do what they say, not what they do. John the Baptist himself. Let's flip back there to Matthew. I think it's in Matthew. It might be in Luke or John. Uh, when he says, uh, yeah, there it is in Matthew uh, uh, Matthew chapter 3, 
But verse, when he saw, verse 7, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to the baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Okay, number one, what can we learn? Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Right. So number one, they know there is a wrath to come. Did you say they generation? Know, huh? Did you say generation of vipers? Yeah, he says unto them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath so to come? Could that word be translated to race? Generation, yes. I'd never thought of it like that. <laughs> but it certainly could be true, couldn't it? Because we know a race of vipers. Yeah, well, but see, the term race is kind of, uh, you know, is not a very good way to do it in terms of what we think of race today because we think of race as necess- uh, as, I guess, all of a particular color or, you know, skin tone or whatever. I think of a genetic makeup. Okay. Well, those who profess seed line, they do... <laughs> They do profess this is the genetic thing that John the Baptist is talking about is they're of their father, the serpent, the viper, etc. But hold on a minute. Okay. We went over things a couple of weeks we went over things a couple of weeks ago where we showed bad figs born of good figs. Uh huh. Wait. Yeah, okay. So so we need to necessarily change uh, what what we might you know be tempted to think. Uh-huh. Say that this is a quote different race of people. Well, no, it's a it's a generation of vipers. It's a generation of peoples who follow the practices of their father who was a murderer from the beginning. They follow the practices of their father. You see, these people had different, they had the same, when when Christ said, you're of your father the devil, they said, we aren't born of fornication. Abraham is our father. Uh But Christ said, yeah, I know that Abraham is your father. But you seek to kill me. If you were of Abraham's, Abraham did not do this. So if you were of Abraham, truly of Abraham's, you know, uh, uh, of his spiritual, um, uh, what, am I, what am I looking for? You know, his spiritual genetic makeup, if you were of that spiritual genetic makeup, you wouldn't do this. But we know that there can be bad figs born in a good fig, which a family. I mean, we yeah. talk about this. We see it all the time. We have people that we know, and and uh-huh. this son went awry, or that daughter went awry. They, and they, they make bad choices, don't they, Doug? They make bad choices, and and they stay with those bad choices. Then those bad choices are going to potentially consume them, as Christ. God in the flesh himself said, seek and choose life. 
instead of choosing death. He says, in me there is life. Follow me, Uh me, and you'll have life. And you understand why he's saying that? Yeah. He wants the best for his children. He wants the best for his creation. You go through all these laws and you do exactly the opposite. And you're going to wind up dead. If you know the truth and you choose the lie, your lifespan is going to be shortened, it would appear to me. Well, one it's thing for sure, whether whether it's shortened in the carnal age or not, is uh, is there is no there is no further promise for you because you have not the spirit of God uh-huh. dwelling. You know that one individual, I should say, not the word you, but that individual yeah. has not the spirit. Which well, is the creator. Uh, very interesting food for thought when you say, Doug. Yep. The the biblical record is is consistent. So those willing to review it and then accept it. Jesus, the God incarnate, told us to ask God for desires of our heart, didn't he? Yes. And he encouraged us that it had an effect uh, under the right circumstance or under any circumstance. Because if you read the Bible, there are places where it says he tuned them out. They didn't get, he didn't hear their prayers, right? Yeah. Amen. Yep. <clears throat> okay, so so what I'm getting at is it's a, it's about six minutes till nine, and we have a way to perhaps make some sort of uh, request to change something, right? Yeah. So, I always think we should start with ourselves in terms of how do I please God? And what's, I would, okay, well, I think we know the answer to that. So why don't we? And 
the answer there's an answer to that so who's up for some prayer the flesh is weak the spirit wills but the flesh is weak that's the same thing the apostle paul said he struggled with he says what i what i what i would that i would do i do not and uh so uh, we have to master that just the same way God instructed Cain and Abel. Is we've got to get a, a mastery of that, and that has another revealing aspect, and that is it's possible. And when we recognize that God in the flesh came born of a woman so he had all the infirmities that that we have the scripture says that he was just like us he came like as we are so that no one could say well and they still do it well he was god you know that's how come he could resist all the temptation of the adversary he was God, but the scripture says he came just as we are, in the same way that we came into this world, he also entered this world and did the will, born of a woman, born of flesh, son of man, as the scripture calls it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we can... Uh, we can we can definitely close with prayer and and come to come to him and know that if we ask what is within his will then we ask believing we shall receive so father we do know that it is your will that we be obedient you that have commissioned and called to be your people, commissioned to be your servants. We know that's your will. So, Father, a prayer for us would be that your people become once again. I know they are, Lord, because you're not going to be mocked. We are being servants for you. But, Lord... Mm -hmm. We sure go about it in a backwards way at times. Amen. And Father, we would that you would continue to touch the hearts and minds of your people, giving them the eyes to see, the ears to hear what's going on about them. And Father, I do believe that is happening. I do believe you've been answering those prayers. Amen. Many people praying and saying, give us eyes to see, give our people ears to hear, that they might hear what is happening. And Lord, you've been unloading in a way in the last two years, in a way that we should be giving thanks to you and praise and glory to that which you have revealed Uh of of the plans of the evildoers. The plans of the evildoers, the goings-on of the evildoers. And Father, I would that your people would come to a point in time 
that they would recognize what it is they need to do, and that is to purge the land of the unrighteous, wicked doers, and certainly the wicked rulers. And Father, we're going to need, we're going to need your assistance in that. Amen. If it isn't divinely done, then they would once again say that it was done at the hand of the people. And so that's why, Father, I would pray for your divine intervention yep. to root out and to pluck the unrighteous and give them their due and their day. Lord, if it's the end of that time and that age, I don't know. But you promised us that if we will ask in your name those things which are within your will, you are just and righteous to give us that which we ask. Uh-huh. So, Father, we continue to pray for your people in your land, your land here in North America, your people in lands all over this earth where you have placed and planted them, that they would come to see with new eyes the wicked ones amongst them and drive them out. You would drive them out in a divine way that it is clearly understood it is the divine hand of God that has done this thing. That's my prayer, Father. I pray it in the blessed holy name of your Son you gave us as our voice to you, I guess, our ambassador to bring these prayers to your ears. So we thank you for that. I agree. Amen. Lord God, grant your people repentance. That they can turn away from their evil sin. Heal our land before it's too late. Don't desert your people, Father. Give us another chance. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, Lord, I'd like to thank you for making it possible for us to come together on Tuesday nights and not for anything we do but just to be able to come together and talk about your words that are written in the book that's a privilege that I've taken for granted many years but I realize that uh, it's it's full of gold, and we've got to learn to love understanding and make understanding our friend. And you said the truth will set us free, Lord. We yearn to be free once again in this land, and that freedom is in you. And we just pray that you come up with a plan and. Show us what to do, Jesus. In your holy name, I pray. Amen. 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 All right, brethren. Good night, we'll guys. Talk to you all later. Good night. Okay. Okay. Bye. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Bye.